constancy. There are people who are chronic failures at all their intimate relations and who are always on the move, jumping out of one friendship and into another, thinking all the time that the trouble has been with their friends. They suppose that their hope for happiness lies in finding better people somewhere in the world. Often estranged from their relatives, they also carry on feuds with their neighbors and move from one marriage to another. But consider, sooner or later, you must learn to hang on when the going is tough, to give even when you are not getting much. Today's divorce laws have made it easy to dissolve marriages, but does anyone suppose that people are on the whole happier today with their serial marriages? than a hundred years ago when people stuck together in unhappy connections? From my experience, it seems that most people who are unhappy and discontent with their partners will be equally unhappy and discontent with the partners of a second marriage. I'm not judging or criticizing those who have to get out of a destructive marriage. Once in a while, it turns out to be necessary for survival. Yet, I think there is good reason for the Bible's strong stand on the permanence of marriage and on divorce as a manifestation of our sinfulness. In most durable friendships, the glue that has held them together is called commitment. Let me illustrate. I meet with a group of seven men every fortnight who talk about their thoughts and feelings and then pray for one another. These men are all strong leaders, pastors of large churches or bold aggressive doctors. When men such as these meet regularly, month in and month out, a certain amount of competitiveness is inevitable, and we sometimes break on one another's nerves. One of our members, a very successful scientist and physician, possesses by far the strongest intellect among us and finds it easy to grab the conversation and run off on hobby horses of his own, without considering the other men. Since the purpose of our meeting is not to discuss intellectual issues, my friend routinely gets tackled when he is about five minutes into these monologues and barely warmed up. At times, we have been so hard on him that I have felt guilty when the meeting was over and wondered if he would be back. But here is a wonderful thing. My friend never stays away because we have been critical. Doubtless, he would just as soon find something else to do some weeks. But he is a man who abides by his commitments. He has made a pact with us that we will link arms and support one another as Christian brothers. And though at times the relationships have produced sparks, he has not flinched or fled. The result? That man is a fast friend to each of us. And there is little that we would not do for him. He says now that he has never had companionship such as the seven of us enjoy together that we are his best friends. And he's right. We love him dearly and perhaps are all the more loyal to him because of the way he has weathered our beatings, listened to our actions, and broke the relationships through.